Well, hello, everyone, and I hope your Bibles are open to Acts chapter 11. So this is my Bible. I believe it's God's word. I believe every word is true, and it's all that I need. Pray with me, please. Father, help us as we go into into your word to make sure that your Holy Spirit is taking the words on the page and making it clear. Lord, we know that in and of our own self, we could never comprehend what what this lesson is really trying to teach us personally. So may we have a desire to step aside and let your spirit communicate to us. Lord, we know you are sufficient. We know your grace abounds. Lord, we know that you want the best for us. And so may we study hard. We know your word is what keeps us remaining true to you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are really, really seeing God doing some big changes in lives. And we obviously see it in in Saul, and and we see it in Peter, and and I pray that you see it in yourself, that, that you can really tell a difference, that when you are understanding this, when you are comprehending this, then you utilize the Spirit, and the Spirit will help you to see and be and do what you could never see, do, and be on your own. So um, as your Bibles are open, um, let's just take a quick look at what happened because this is a this is a story that that people believe that that Peter was telling Luke. Peter was giving the information to Luke on these particular on these particular instances. And so then um, you will, I'll just give you a heads up. Um, it won't be long before you hear and see a pronoun change from, from um, maybe uh, him or whatever to we. And you'll see that that's when Luke joined with Paul and together they were companions. But right now we know that Luke is being fed this information And who better than Peter to be able to tell these details? So we're watching the Lord take Peter, this this very conservative Jew, this very um, oh the one of the Jew Jews of all Jews, and and he's slowly changing him to um, see this great commission that this gospel is for everyone. And so we see him um, staying at the home of Simon the Tanner. And then we see him last week having this vision and how um, the timing was so perfect that that he had this vision, Cornelius had this vision, and then together they join up and Peter learns something very important that what God has called What God has called clean, it is clean. And even though they might have been brought up in this, in the Judaism, in the ways of the Jews, as far as the the sacred law and not eating unclean meat from unclean animals and that kind of thing, now the door is opening for the gospel to go to Jew and Gentile. And we saw last week, too, that Peter had a bad habit, don't we all? And Peter's bad habit was um, saying no to the Lord. And I hope that you've thought about that this week, that do we do we think we know better sometimes? Are we saying no to an almighty God? It's really something to think about. And then we saw how how um, when they when Peter and Cornelius came together, um, what a what a beautiful um, union that was when they each told their story and 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 then to hear um, hear Peter himself say, "But God has shown me." God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. 
And then the whole purpose, really, of the two joining together is for Cornelius to hear the gospel. Even though he was a very religious man, he needed Jesus, just like Saul, very, very religious. And yet, a personal relationship with Jesus is a must. And if he, if a personal relationship is missing in your religiosity, then you are missing it. And so now we we see that that um, Peter, in chapter ten, he just goes through the gospel and and the doors are open, ears are opened. Um, People are being saved. The Holy Spirit um, came upon them as, as just exactly the way the Holy Spirit came on the Jews in Acts chapter 2. And so it it is, I don't know, it is just so exciting to, um, as we go through Acts, to see how the Acts of the apostles are bringing this gospel and and really bringing it to people that never ever would have heard it before. So um, now, as we move into chapter eleven, it says the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of the Lord. So word is getting back to the the. Jews in Jerusalem. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, see, they had heard it, and they had heard about it, and now Peter is going back to Jerusalem, and it's like you could almost picture this group of people. They were ready, they were ready to pounce. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers. See, they're they're saved. They've they've they're converted, but sometimes that old way, that that old negativism, that legalistic way of looking at things, keeps creeping up. Sometimes when you've been raised in in a religion, you it just becomes so. Um, a part of you, and you've been taught a certain way, and and you've lived a certain way, and it's hard to change. And and it's not that these people weren't sincere, but they they just immediately went to the negative, like oh, this isn't supposed to be. And so, sure enough, they criticized, they pounced, they criticized. And said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now, this was what makes me think that Peter is telling Luke this. Because these are, these are important details. They not only criticized, but they also said, you almost could see it. How could you? How could you fellowship? How could you eat? eat with these people and and I don't think that uh, that has changed much I think if we're really honest with ourselves that this should be something we want the Holy Spirit to change in us but it seems like our human nature wants to go to that negative and be critical and judgmental and and uh, Instead of seeing the joy of the salvation of the Gentiles, their response, their, their coming to know Christ, I mean, they should be jumping up and down. I happened to look back in John chapter 9, and it, their whole chapter was very similar, where the Pharisees, when Jesus was healing people and and. Um, then one particular time when he healed a blind man from birth, he was blind from birth, and 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 instead of being thrilled for this family, these Pharisees, all they did was nitpick, go after his parents. Um, it, it was just now that I read this and then go back to that instance, I think 
Sometimes that's what religion will do. Instead of the love of Jesus, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we get caught in that trap of religion and in the old way. And why, why weren't these people realizing that, that this is what Jesus commissioned? They were to go into the world, which meant Gentiles, but um, I just think that we shouldn't read that too fast. And maybe it's a, there's a lesson in there for us. Instead of seeing the joy, and I think that's what legalism and religion will do. Instead of seeing the, the beautiful joy of salvation, they went to the, how could you eat with such people? And they missed it until... Until Peter, and look, he, he began to explain everything to them precisely as it had happened. Now, I give him credit because when someone pounces, when someone um, criticizes, and when, when someone comes negatively at you, and you know Peter, we, we know his personality, you can tell that he is so being changed and when the Holy Spirit, when he's filled with the Spirit, you just watch Peter able to, to react in such a, a beautiful way instead of, you know, putting his dukes up and, and being defensive and, and coming back with him in a, in a negative way back. He just simply explained. It's like he was calm. And, and this is where that's major because Peter, I never really saw him as a calm person. But I think in this, we watched him calmly explain everything in a very precise way, exactly how it happened. You know, isn't communication so important? And it's so it's so important to be able to talk things out because usually when you do that you find it was just a misunderstanding anyway and when you talk it out instead of getting defensive and and you put your guard up and and here's such a beautiful lesson of just let's just talk about it let me tell you exactly how it happened and he did. And the Holy Spirit helped him to really decipher details like what to put in, what, what it wasn't important, what was important. So listen to this. I was in the city of Joppa praying. And in a trance, I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. I'm going to stop there just a minute because I give him credit here too because he's willing to say, boy, did I fall back to my bad habit. I, in fact, not only did I fall back into saying no, surely no, Lord, but he also is, you can almost hear a little bit of boasting. I wouldn't, I don't do that. I've never done that. I, I have followed this precisely to the letter. And he admitted that. He admitted that's the way I used to be. And then he goes on. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Remember last week we talked about three times being a deep intensity that the Lord wanted to make sure he understood this. 
And then it was all pulled to heaven again. Right then, right then. Remember last week we said synchronize your watches? This was such precise timing. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at my house where I was staying. The Spirit told me, the Spirit told me, See how he's changing? See how he's growing? He's listening to the Spirit's voice. Because the old Peter would have been saying, I'm not going to hear this. I've never eaten anything unclean in my life. And then look what he would have missed. But the Spirit told me, and he listened, to have no hesitation about going with him. Because the old Peter wouldn't, wouldn't have gone with these Gentiles, these strangers, for, for anything. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. So he was telling them, and then I took um, six brothers, and together we went with these men, and we went to this man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appearing in his house and say, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. I mean, that's critical because Cornelius, well, you, you remember how he was described. He was described as God-fearing, devoted, family man, and yet, look, he's missing Jesus. He's missing salvation. There's your, there's your clear proof that you can be so religious and yet not have salvation. Because this is what it says right there. And then he said, he will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them, and as he had come on us, just like he'd come on us, at the beginning, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came on them, the Gentiles, just like he came on us, the Jews. And the results were the same. And then, and then Peter, it's like he, he said, I remembered, I remembered the words of Jesus you know, for three years, Jesus was teaching those 12. And here is another proof that if you sincerely want to know, if you are willing to take the time to study and to learn, then the Holy Spirit, when you need it, will help you recall. Because right now, when Peter is explaining this to, to his um, Jewish friends who, who, you know, are just up in, up in arms about this, he said, I remembered, I remembered that Jesus said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will be covered. Baptism means overall. You are, you are covering yourself inside and out with God's spirit. That's, that's the best way to be when the Holy Spirit is covering every part of us because then we know that our thoughts, our words, our actions will be Christ-like. So Peter remembered the words of Jesus. I wonder how many times they, in the course of their acts of the apostles, how many times they thought, oh, remember what Jesus said, or oh, that's what that meant. So in verse 17, I hope you underlined it. I hope you put it into practice. I hope I put it into practice because so often we might read something of Jesus or we read his word and then we still have a yeah but but look what look what Peter says so if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ 
they had to follow the terms too. They had they they had to follow just like us humble. They had to become humble, repent, confess. And if if they're willing to follow God's terms, which is through His Son, then uh, who am I? Who who was I to think that I could oppose God? If God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who was I? Who was I to think that I could oppose God? That was so beautiful. The way Peter handled it, I'm sure the tone he said it in, the passion he spoke with, like, I'm telling you what I saw. And you think it through under God's Holy Spirit. You let him guide your thoughts. And in in the Holy Spirit, there's truth. How How could I think or be any other way? How could I object? And when they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God. They praised God saying, so then God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. You can't help but see the working of the Holy Spirit. And what a lesson that we should know that we need the working of the Holy Spirit in our life so we can handle difficult people that maybe want to pounce or are negative or or they don't see any joy. All they can see is the bad when we have learned about the word joy, which means Jesus, when you know Jesus, and and when you let his spirit produce those nine fruit in your life. I mean, look, look look how you see in Peter, the fruit of the spirit. When he dealt with those maybe unlovely, maybe kind of critical faces, he, he let the spirit take over him and he had unconditional love for them. He probably had joy that they couldn't help but see coming out of him because that's just what happens when you know Jesus. He is our joy. You, you, probably, you couldn't help but see him peace. He was at peace. And, and if these people knew the old Peter, they probably thought, wow, look how calm he is. Look how at peace he is. Look how sure he is. And the one, the one that I really saw in Peter here was patience. I'll just explain precisely how it happened. And I'll be patient and let the Holy Spirit work in their hearts as he worked in mine. And then look at the results here. When, when Peter followed the Holy Spirit's leading, what a, what a beautiful way this, it says, then they had no further objections. They praised God and... They're thrilled. Now their eyes went to the reality of the situation. That salvation is for all in Christ Jesus. And at the cross, we are all the same. Now, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch telling the message only to the Jews. Now, there were some of those who still wanted to um, tell this gospel message to the Jews. Good. Nothing wrong with that. Then there were some, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, 
they went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks, also telling them about the Lord Jesus. So you have some, when they were scattered, they went to the Jews, and then some went to Antioch. And, and uh, this, I just did a little digging, and I think this is so interesting, the Antioch. It was um, 300 miles north of Jerusalem. So in your mind, you could see that you had to travel 300 miles to get from Jerusalem to Antioch. And then, then it was 20 miles inland from the Mediterranean. And it was a known city. And it was known for business and commerce and sophistication, culture, but very immoral and pagan. And so some went into the city and they told the story of Jesus. The good news. The good news of the Lord Jesus. Verse 21. I, I noticed there were a few phrases in this chapter that I really want to make sure we don't miss. And this is one of them. The Lord's hand was with them. The Lord's hand was with these men and women who went to Cyprus and Cyrene, from Cyprus and Cyrene, and went to Antioch. So whether these men and, and their families or whether it was just the men alone, I guess I really don't know, except that it says some of them, however, men from Cyprus, so it was probably the men. But I'm sure the women were there too, and they were listening. But most importantly, the Lord was with them. The Lord's hand, his hand a blessing do you know that I don't care what kind of ministry you have, how popular it is, how big, how, how, um, how people know about it, how, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, any ministry, whether it be just you or it's a huge ministry, do you know that in and of yourself, you cannot turn people to the Lord. We can't do it on our own. Even though we might have the words down, we're maybe very charismatic and in a way and very convincing, but bottom line, the phrase, the Lord's hand was on them. A person a human being, they can, they can um, turn people maybe to a personality. Um, we might have the power to turn people um, to a, a social club of some kind. We might even be able to convince somebody to come to a certain church. But no one on their own, in their own power, can turn someone to the Lord Jesus, the Lord's hand. That's why it's so important that whenever that we open our mouth, that we know that the Lord's hand is upon us, that we are listening to his spirit, that we're going into this particular situation with the right motive. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Lord blessed them. Their heart was right. They were listening with the right ears. And the Lord's hand was on them. Did you ever wonder sometime when it's been quite noticeable that the Lord's hand is, has either been removed or it was never there. I can't help but think of um, the church of Laodicea. And here it was such a, a huge, going, 
popular place. And yet, I mean, I, I love the way Jesus had John write the details of, you think you're so rich. You think you have everything going for you, but you're poor. You, you've missed it. You're wretched. You're naked. Because I, Jesus says, I stand at the door. And I knock and I want to come in. And, and that phrase that the Lord's hand was with them, that's when you know that God's blessing is going to make either a small or large ministries work. It has nothing to do with size. It has everything to do with are you listening? Are you sensing God's hand? That's when the eternal results happen. And that should be something we want, eternal results. Like I said, human beings can, can draw people to a personality, to a certain church, to um, anything social. We can, oh, we can be so convincing. But that's all temporary. If we really want our lives to matter for eternity then we need to know that God's hand is on us, that, that his hand is directing. And then the results, like we see in verse 21, happen. A great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. See, now this news was reaching Jerusalem again. Now, it's, it's, can you see a little difference in their behavior? Now they send Barnabas. Oh, and we know he is such a jewel. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God. See, there's another phrase I don't want us to miss. Do you know that when the grace of God has come into your life, and you know what that is, don't you? When you realize yourself which, what grace is, it's undeserved favor. And when that grace at salvation takes over your life, see, this is the change we've been talking about. When you've accepted God's grace, his undeserved favor, and that is working through you, through God's Holy Spirit, then out of you comes that grace, and it's evident. And Barnabas said, he noticed it. I mean, it says right there, when he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. See, when we take in God's grace, then it's supposed to go full circle and then we take it out. And when our lives are grace-filled, which again is Holy Spirit-filled, remember that was one of the beautiful attributes of Stephen. He was full of grace, compassion, so Christ-like. Remember when he said, Lord, they don't even know what they're doing. Forgive them. No, not a piece of revenge in his body. It was just so evident that he was filled with grace. And Barnabas said that when he went to Antioch, that it was real. It was a real transformation. These people, this was, they, weren't, they weren't phony. They weren't just pretending. They weren't just playing religious games they were being transformed. They accepted grace and it's now coming out of them and it's evident. He was glad. Oh, when you see God's grace in people's lives. You, you watch the evidence, and, and we could go on and on. What, what does that mean, the evidence of God's grace? But... I mean, you're Christ-like. 
And so whatever he's telling you to do, you do. So whether it means that you have a smile on your face and maybe you used to be crabby. Maybe you were always um, so legalistic and, and critical. And maybe now you are loving and, and you watch the way you used to be and then you see how he's changing you. The grace of God changes you and it, then it's evident. And maybe, maybe like um, if somebody uh, cuts you off on the road or maybe you get in the wrong line at the grocery store and you think about how that used to just throw you off. How you would just get so tense and uptight and you'd throw a dagger of a look or whatever. And now, when you are really under the power of God's spirit, you watch him show grace through you, produce grace through you. And you see yourself like, I wouldn't have done that before. I wouldn't have acted like that before. God's grace is changing me. It's not that big a deal. It's not that important. Oh, I got to tell you just something that happened to me before I came today to, to do the podcast. That's all fresh. I think the Lord wants to sometimes make things happen. So I'm not always telling you about a year or two ago, but sometimes it's right smack on the day. I happened to want to run an errand uh, at Dollar Tree before I came, and, and I got behind someone whose, whose bill was... $30, and they were counting it all out in nickels. And, and they were lining it up, and I, I know I stood there at least 10, 15 minutes. And, and you know, the line is huge, it's busy, and I mean, there was a part of me that just wanted to say, here, let me, let me buy the things for you. They had plenty of money, but they wanted to pay for this particular bunch of stuff with their nickels that they had in a little Tupperware dish. And how quickly the Lord zapped me with this lesson because I'm thinking, I don't want to be late. I don't, you know, I know we all have places to go and people to see and we're all on this, this time schedule. But I thought, come on, let, let the grace of the Lord be evident in you. Let, just be patient. Let the fruit of the Spirit just take over you. And I couldn't believe how I just relaxed and, and I just kind of smiled and watched them count their nickels. But see, this is, this is how important God's word is in our everyday life. Now, this was so minor. But when a big storm happens, when we're being rocked, when we're flooded with disappointment, sometimes I think we just miss what the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us because we just get so caught up into our own self that we miss the grace of God. I can remember one time I, I was um, going to sing in this church and I was um, in uh, the prayer room beforehand and I was all by myself and the pastor came in and I thought he was going to pray with me. And, and he did, except I wasn't expecting what he prayed. He said, Lord, you know how pathetic this church is. You know how everybody's divided. You know how they can't stand each other. And they're all here tonight. Give her something that will somehow show them how off the track they've gotten. And he said, amen, and he left the room. And there I sat. 
and I happened to have my Bible open to the book of Hebrews. And I remember an instance that I had in, with an angel unaware, which I'm convinced, and I'm sure I told that story before too, but, but I, I am so caught with this phrase about God's grace is evident. And in the, in the chapter I was in, it was very clear that, that God was saying to me before I went out there, see to it that they do understand the grace of God. Make sure they understand the grace of God and what that grace did for them. When we understand what God's grace did for us, it helps us and it's evident in our lives how we handle difficult people. How we handle when things don't go our way. And instead of falling into ourselves, we then are hearing the Holy Spirit trying, at least, to communicate to us. And remember, we've said how important communication is. When the Holy Spirit wants to communicate what we know about what Jesus promised us, the power we have from sinking because of the power of God that lives within us and his grace. You know, when you have the grace of God in you, when the grace of God is evident in you, do you know where, where your eyes are not? There's no emphasis, no emphasis on yourself. You're not bound with man-made rules. It's just all about listening to God's voice and his direction and what he's done for you and how he then wants to have it lived out of you to others. So no wonder Barnabas was glad when he saw this evidence. He, he's thinking, they're getting it. Their lives are being changed. This is the real deal. He was glad and encouraged them all. He encouraged them. Remember, Barnabas was an encourager. So when he saw, and he wasn't, he wasn't a false encourager, but if he saw something good, like when he saw the evidence of God's grace, he encouraged them. In fact, it says he not only encouraged them, but he encouraged them also to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. So along with his encouragement, like, good job, way to go. He is also, he's very much also teaching, saying, but if you want this to keep going, you have to remain, you have to remain true to the Lord. So what, what does that mean? Remain true to the Lord. That's another one of those phrases that, that I don't want to read too fast because it changes everything. When you remain true to the Lord, that means that you are willing to work at this. You hold on to God's word and his promises. You run from temptation from your own self. Your Bibles are open. You want to obey what the instruction is. Do you know what happens to you and I when we do not remain in the Lord? If we do not remain true to the Lord. Oh, I'll tell you. Just the opposite. This is what happens because if you remain true to the Lord, remember what Jesus said in John where he says, you remain in me and I'll remain in you. That means we keep our relationship tight. We keep listening to his voice through his word, through his spirit. We deliberately run from temptation. We, we claim the promises. We obey. We're not just hearers of the word, but we obey. That's remaining true. And if we don't work hard at that, Oh, we fall into despair. We fall into discouragement. We fall into depression. We're defeated. We don't have any hope. We just want to give up. We want to throw in the towel. 
That's quite, that is, that is quite a difference. That every one of us has to make a conscientious choice. Do I want to work at remaining true to the Lord with all my heart? Because it's only through his spirit in my ear and my choice to obey or I'm sinking. So, when Barnabas arrived, he saw evidence of the grace of God, and he was thrilled. He was glad, and he encouraged them all, stay true, remain true, work hard at this. I don't want you to falter. I don't want you to miss what God has for you. And then, and then it does describe Barnabas again. He was a good man. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Remember, that is an attribute. Being filled with the Holy Spirit, full, means there's not room for self. And he was full of faith. He trusted God. He might not understood and liked all the plans of God, but he had the faith to believe God is sovereign, He's almighty, and he's God, and I'm not. And look, at a great number of people were brought to the Lord. See, God's hand was there, because they're operating under God's spirit, and they're, they're, they're remaining true to God's word, and they're, they're working hard at this. To, they, they're letting the spirit just whip them of themselves so that the grace of God could come out of their life to others. What a sight. What a beautiful sight this is. It does take work and time and effort. I always say this. You have to want it bad. You've got to want to be Christ-like pretty bad because it does take effort and work and discipline to stay in God's word, to give him the time to feed your soul and your mind and that you choose to listen to his voice because your voice is screaming loud and it's the voice you just naturally want to hear but you have to want it bad enough to hear God's words, God's spirit. And the results are completely different. But it's our choice. Then Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. Remember, we left him um, kind of a couple weeks ago, and we we didn't put him on a shelf, but we kind of sent him around, and, and then he kind of was in Tarshish for maybe 12 years, and, and that's where the Lord was, you know, quietly working in his heart and, and getting him ready for this ministry that he had ordained for him. So now Barnabas, he goes to Tarsus and he looks for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Remember what I did? Remember the, um, the, I described Antioch to you? Oh, it was culture, it was sophistication, it was business, it was commerce, but it was immoral. But look, when God gets a hold of a life, he can change one life at a time. And before you know it, look at this town of Antioch. And it's here where the disciples, the followers of Christ, are called Christians. Do you know that in the book of Acts, the, the, um, the people who choose to believe in Jesus and accept him as their savior, they were called different names. They were called disciples, which we see right there even. Where they were called saints. They were called believers, brothers, witnesses, followers of the way. They had, they had many, many titles, but here in Antioch, they were, they were now known as Christians. 
Christian means I choose to follow Christ. Not just believe, but follow. I choose to follow Christ. And then the grace of God will be evident in me and I will remain true to him with my whole heart. You know, before, how, how quick we are, we are to when people ask, oh, you know, are you, what are you? Are you Protestant? Are you Catholic? Are you Christian Reform? Are you Baptist? Are you Methodist? Are you charismatic? Are you contemporary? Are you progressive? Or are you conservative? I mean, there's so many, so many descriptions. But you know what? There is just no better title. If someone ever asks you, I know for me, I love the title, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. I'm a Jesus person. You know, it just kind of takes all those other things. All those things like Catholic, Protestant, denominations, charismatic, contemporary, progressive, conservative. It's those things that are divisive. Because if you're not Protestant and then you're Catholic, well, then there's a division there. Um, different denominations. Oh, why are there so many different denominations? Because man got so caught up and got divided about picayuni things. And oh, nowadays, are you progressive or are you, you know, are you still traditional? You know what unites us? I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a Jesus person. I am a Christian. And unfortunately, Christian has gotten so watered down. So we better make sure that we know what Christian means. Yes, I believe Jesus went to the cross for me. But along with that name, with that, if I'm wearing that name, that title, I'm wearing Jesus' name, and not only do I believe what he did for me, but now I am going to be changed by him, and I am going to follow him. During, during this time, verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. Now, I don't want to confuse you, but I, I always kind of thought that Old Testament prophets and, and what a prophet was is that he foretold the future. Now, in this case, it's kind of true. Agabus did tell about a future famine, but I think it's important that we know that a prophet or prophecy. And this really helped me in understanding about the spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says that we should want the, the spiritual gift of prophecy more than speaking in tongues. And so just let me explain to you that a prophet... The one who prophesies. So when I read that in 1 Corinthians 14, I kind of thought that, oh, he wants me predicting the future. Well, in some respects, because you know what? Who knows the future more than a Christian? We should be making sure people know that there is a future. And we should be able to tell them because we know that it's either it's what you do with Jesus now that's going to determine where your future will be. But bottom line, a prophet was a messenger of God. When you prophesy, you are prophesying God's message 
the gospel message. The word prophecy is used for more than to proclaim the future or to predict the future. The word is used. The word is used to proclaim the word of God. The story of Jesus. No wonder Paul said when you're when you're desiring spiritual gifts. Oh, desire prophecy, the spiritual gift of prophecy, that you are a messenger of God, that you proclaim God's word. And it does help you to proclaim the future because the Bible has been very clear on what our future will be. What a hope we can give people. I know that's a little sideline, but I just had to go there because I learned so much from that, and I just wanted to kind of pass it on to you. But here, here was one of them was named Agabus. He stood up, and through the Spirit, he predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And then, then Luke does write that it did happen, and this did happen during the reign of Claudius. So we do know for a fact it happened. And so Agabus was right. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gave him the word to predict what was going to happen. The disciples, each according to his ability, there's another phrase. That's another phrase we don't want to miss here. The disciples, each according to his ability, now, at first, I kind of just thought, well, of course, according, you know, some people uh, make a lot of money. Some people don't make very much. Some people are, you know, they have more than others. So according, some people have more, more gifts and abilities than someone else. So according to your ability. But I think it awesome and according to their faith, according to how much they believed, how much they knew of their God. And that challenged me. If we hear a prediction that something that is not pleasant is going to happen, am I going to panic? Am I going to let it absorb my life and affect every area of my life? Or is, is the according to my ability, my faith, according to my faith, am I going to trust a sovereign God, obey his promises, remain true to him with all my heart? Watch the Holy Spirit change my whole course of reacting if I just listen to him and what he is teaching me. So I just want to challenge. I know it's challenging to me, and I want to throw that out to you too, that, that each disciple, according to his ability, so how much ability, and it can mean um, talents and, and money and that kind of thing, but also I think according to your faith, how much do you trust him? And that makes a difference in how you're going to react. And so it said, according to their ability, they decided to provide help for the brothers living in Jerusalem or in Judea. According to their ability, according to their, their means that God had provided in their lives, but also the faith that they believed that they could share, that they could give of themselves. When, when, and see, this is how you know you're changed. You don't hoard for you. You just can't wait to share. Remember when the church just started, there wasn't a need among them because people just shared. Because their heart was so not me, it's him. And when your heart is not you, but Jesus, you're going to act different. Because that's the way grace works. And this they did. They did exactly. They weren't just 
talking big, they came together, and according to their ability, they gave. And they sent their gift to the elders by way of Barnabas and Saul. They trusted these two men. What a beautiful way to end this chapter. And I, I just call myself, I wonder how many times I said the word beautiful in this lesson. But I did. I saw so much beauty in this lesson. The beauty of a changed life, beauty of promises and phrases in this chapter. I, I think it's beautiful when there's evidence of God's grace coming out of our lives. I think it's beautiful when people remain true to the Lord Jesus with all their heart. I think it's beautiful that when there is a need, we believe that from what we've been given or our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, we can give of ourselves. This was a great chapter. It was personal too. And I hope you heard it. Lord Jesus, again, thank you for being so personal with us. That you meet us right where we're at. And through Peter and Luke and Saul and Barnabas and the people of Antioch, you show us how you can change us from broken messes and you can make something very beautiful from our lives. Instead of walking around downcast and hopeless and defeated and discouraged, just playing down. Father, I believe even through masks that we have to wear all the time, people can see through our mask and through our eyes that the love of Jesus is real. We, may we remain true to him with all of our heart and it will come out in our eyes, through the mask, in our actions. Father, we want to be real. We want to be like Jesus. Oh, can't even imagine, but what a goal. And we pray this all in his name. Amen.